Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? All right, we're glad you're here. Um, you know, I was not here last Sunday, but before that we'd finished up a, a lengthy series about um, living in uncertain times where we kind of went through where the world's headed, how things are going, and um, spent some time after that kind of deciding what to preach next. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't have a message for you guys today. I mean, I got nothing. So, But what I do have is a message that I need to preach to me today. And so you're welcome to sit in here and listen to that as I do that. But what happened kind of as I got through that series, the more I, you know, researched and looked, um, you know, about where the world was heading and about how fast we've kind of gotten where we are, the more I just kind of started feeling just like a spirit of heaviness on me. And um, uh, it was really starting to affect me. And so I, I spent some time just really seeking the Lord about um, what I needed to do, and I'm going to give you my, um, my thoughts about that. And where I first landed was, we're going to start in Isaiah 61 if you want to turn your Bibles there, but it, it, the reason I'm there is because I was reading in Luke 4, a passage where Jesus, um, he's just gotten, he's just been tempted by the enemy. And so you can kind of imagine he'd been fasting in the wilderness for 40 days. And then after that, the, the enemy came and tempted him and he, he uh, withstood the temptations. And so now he's, he's come back and he's about to begin his ministry. And he goes into the, the tabernacle, into the synagogue, excuse me, to teach. And the Bible says that he used to teach quite often. And he comes in and he, he, he stands to read the Word of God. And then this passage in Isaiah is the passage that he read from. And it's part of the prophecy about um, Jesus' coming. And so I'm going to read from that. It's Isaiah chapter 61. If you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for His own glory. May God add His blessing. Thank you and be seated. Now immediately after he read, and he read the first half of that passage, he sat down and it says he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. And part of that scripture in, in, in Isaiah there is, um, like I've talked about before in prophecy, a lot of times there's some kind of mixture about Jesus coming the first time and the second time. And so, you know, the day of the Lord's wrath, which he talks about in that passage too in, in Isaiah, is not yet. But the second part of that, you know, there's also that part where it talks about um, you know, the, that he's come to heal the brokenhearted. And I, you know, it's been in me. I learned when I was a child from the King James. And so there's 
certain phrases there that have kind of stuck with me. And in the King James, in the second, the last part of that passage, it says, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And, uh, you know, that, that word, those words, the spirit of heaviness, really kind of um, rung a bell with me because that's what I had been feeling. Because, you know, every time I looked at the news or looked on whatever, all I got was mad and anxious and upset. And I don't know if y'all noticed, but a lot of the news, not real good right now. I don't know if y'all have been paying attention, but it's just not stellar stuff. So I decided, you know, well, I'm going to kind of find some good news. So I'm going to tell you about all the good news I found. None. Nothing. I mean, it's all this tread, that. I mean, it, it, gas, I mean, it was everything. And it was kind of piling up. And I thought, man, everything's going this way. So how can I break out of this? How can I, you know, get past it? And the word kind of came to my mind, you need to change your clothes. I'm like, what am I wearing? I look fine to me, but anyway. And, and then that, that passage from Isaiah really jumped up about to put on the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. And clothes were a major deal in Jesus' day. It, it reflected, you could walk by and a lot of times tell from what someone was wearing what they were doing that day. You could tell if they were in a, in a festive mood, if they were going to a celebration, if they were going to work, if they were in a time of mourning. As a matter of fact, in, you know, it was easy to tell when people were in a place of repentance or mourning or uh, even national mourning, they would do that. They would put on sackcloth and ashes, and it would be obvious to everyone that they were going through that. Esther 4, 1 through 3, it talks about Mordecai. When Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city crying with a loud, bitter wail. He went as far as the gate of the palace, for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. And as news of the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept, and wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. And so the, the couple of significant things there are that when we allow kind of this, this spirit of mourning or the spirit of heaviness let me tell you one of the things that was true is that he wasn't allowed into the presence of the king. And as a believer, one of the things that when we allow that kind of an attitude or that kind of uh, spirit of heaviness to kind of rule over us is it does, it puts some um, hindrance to our fellowship with God. It's, you can't feel close to God and also have on you the worry about what's coming down the road. I mean, when you're in God's presence, those things disappear. And so how do we get that? How do we change clothes? How do we go from a spirit of heaven? Now, I'm sure none of y'all experienced this, but I have, all right? That's what I've been going through. And I'm sure y'all are like, oh, everything's cool, man. Gas, six bucks a gallon, that's going to be awesome, whatever. But if you ever have any of those moments or those thoughts, then maybe this will help you. And the first thing that, that I want you to see is that the first place to find joy is just in the presence of God. Now, God's present everywhere already. But here's the deal. We're not always present with Him, are we? I mean, sometimes we're, we're looking off here. We're looking over there. We're not paying attention. We're not experiencing His presence. 
Because we're distracted by the things that are going on or by the worries in life or by what's happening. But God created us to live in fellowship with Him and to be close with Him. And in John, Jeremiah 13, 11, God's speaking and He says, As a loincloth clings to a man's waist, so I created Judah and Israel to cling to me, says the Lord. They were to be my people, my pride, my glory, and honor to my name, but they would not listen to me. And so God created us initially. We were all created to live in His presence. And so how do we do that? How do you... Well, number one is, is you acknowledge God's near. And you put focus on Him instead of on what's distracting us, on what we're thinking about, on what's pulling us away from Him. And so sometimes that means we have to turn away from those, those feelings that contradict the Word of God and be in His presence. And that sometimes, that takes an effort on our part is to be, to be in His presence. Psalm 167, 7 through 11, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for He is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. You know, one of the things we, we talked about in the last few weeks was that kind of overview about where things were all going to end up. And in the last thing we talked about, how after the thousand-year reign and, and, and the, you know, Satan and those who rejected God are, are put away forever, that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and that God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell among my people all the time. And you know what? A lot of us have thought, man, what are we going to do in heaven, man? I mean, we're we going to have this. We're we going to be able to do that. I mean, you'll hear people all the time basically saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, they're fishing for the big ones up in heaven or they're, you know, doing whatever. But here's the deal. Here's what we miss is that the greatest source of joy in heaven is not what we're going to do. And, and I, I think it's clear that we are going to have things to do. But the greatest source of joy is just being in the presence of God. It's just being near Him. You know, that first verse, he says, the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. It's because he's, he recognized that he was near God. Now, those verses in Isaiah, those are, those are some of those are, are going to be fulfilled completely when we're with God in heaven, when the day of judgment comes and all that. But we have the promise of that now and the ability to live in that even now. We can live in God's presence. We just need to acknowledge that He's there and connect and, pay, and, and acknowledge, connect, and pay attention to the fact that God is right there with us. You know, sometimes we think, oh yeah, no, later I need to go somewhere and pray to God. You don't have to go somewhere. You're already wherever, wherever you are, God is. His Spirit dwells within you. And, you know, you ever seen a, a, you know, you go out to eat or you go out to dinner and, and you, you look around, you know, I like the people watch. And I'm like, oh, they're like, they look kind of weird. They, they look like whatever. They're cool. And you look over there and you go, oh, they're a married couple. And how do you know? Well, if they're dating, they're all like, oh, hey, how you doing? Tell me about your day. If they're married, they're over there like this. <laughs> Both of them with their phone in their hand, you know. And, and then the order comes and then they're right back, you know, doing this stuff. All they got to do, here's the thing, 
They're right there, but they're not really engaged in each other's presence, are they? And all I got to do is put the phone down and look at each other and be a part of each other's world for a little bit. So that's a little tip for you. Next time you don't have a date night, put your phones down. Unless your kids is calling, which you better answer. Something might be burning or whatever. I get that. <laughs> but other than that, put your phones down. And that's the thing. When, when, when we're going through life, there's moments we need to put all that stuff down and reconnect with God. And you don't have to be somewhere special. Now, it's awesome coming into God's presence with other people, but you're with God everywhere you are because He's with you. But sometimes we're too busy in our little world that we're not even recognizing that God is right there with us. And we need to practice and work on being in the presence of God. The second thing is this. You, you want to you break free of some of that spirit of heaviness? Praise God. Literally, praise God. You know, that, there's nothing... I love coming to, get, coming to church on Sunday mornings and when we all praise God together. I mean, it's, it's a, that is a, a special time. And you know what? When we're, when we're praising God and that's all we're thinking about, it's easy to get lost in it, isn't it? Get caught up in it. But now when we're praising God and, you know, we're just singing the words and our minds are going, I wonder what we're having for lunch. and when we got, hey, We're not really there. See, we got to be present to be in the presence of God. And one of the ways that we do that is by praising Him. Praising God. Psalm 30, 11 through 12, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning, there's that clothes thing again, and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to You and not be silent. O oh Lord my God, I will give You thanks forever. And then the, the, the truth of the church, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to Him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to Him. For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. You know, there's something that happens when you begin to focus and give praise to God. Is It, it, it reminds you about what He's done for you. And sometimes the, all the other things become smaller and drift away. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. I'm just going to leave that right there, but that was just part of the passage. I always try to read things in context. Instead, you know, that's one of the things people tell you, oh, well, you know, I got, you know, I got to have me some wine or some beer, whatever to relax. You know what the Bible says? Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. You know, it's easy now get, to get worship music on your whatever device you have and play it wherever you're going and sing along with it. The songs that we have up here, a lot of times they'll have a, a song list. It'll be up there at the end of the service usually every week. If not, just text Brandon, he'll get it for you. Sing them later. Sing them at other times. Sing praises to God. You don't have to sing to do it, but it's good to sing. You know, sometimes you can just praise God by just going through all the good things you know about God. Make music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we need to, 
we get caught up in praise. And the more we're caught up in praise, the more we're engaged in the presence of God. Now, it said a couple times in those passages about giving thanks. We need to learn how to give thanks. You know, it even tells us that when we, when we come before him to, to present our request, that we should do it with thanksgiving. And you know what I mean? What, what do we got to give thanks about? I mean, look at gas, look at the economy, look at this, look at that. I'm going to tell you something. I, I love, you know, I love reading history. And I was reading some books about the struggles between coal miners and the companies back in the 1800s. And I read a story about a young man who was involved in them. And he, he was born, his dad was a, had a little patch of ground, not enough to feed his family. But he had a little patch of ground there in West Virginia in the mountains. And he went to work in the coal mines, had, got married to a girl from town, had three kids, two girls and a son. And when his son was two years old, he died. And he left his son and his two daughters with his 21-year-old widow to figure out how to get through life. And so they didn't have somewhere you could go and apply for assistance. She relied on the charity of friends and what she could do with her own hands. And when that boy turned 10 years old, she did what was pretty customary in the days. She took him up to the coal mine, and he, he got hired on at the coal mine as 10 years, at 10 years of age and started to go down in there with all the dust and, the, and, and, the, and this hole in the ground, working 11-hour days at 10 years old. Now, as I'm reading that, I'm thinking, you know, maybe things aren't quite as bad as I was thinking they were. Because I ain't in some coal mine down there having to scrape coal out of a, usually about a foot and a half, two foot space is where they would be. That coal dust could ignite almost at any time. They didn't have any, any ways hardly to detect methane gas. Thousands of miners died in those mines from explosions, from roofs collapsing, all kinds of things. So it wasn't like it was a safe work environment. That kid was 10 years old. His mom was a 21-year-old 20 widow trying to figure out how to get through life. And all of a sudden I thought, as I'm you know, waking up, going in, having a meal, getting ready to get in my truck and drive up here, you know, maybe it ain't so bad after all. And maybe I should be thankful for what I have instead of worrying about how the future might affect it. And so... Be thankful. Psalm 69, 29 through 32. I'm suffering and in pain. Rescue me, O God, by your saving power. Then I will praise God's name with singing, and I will honor him with thanksgiving. For this will please the Lord more than sacrificing cattle, more than presenting a bull with its horn and hooves. The humble will see their God at work and be glad. Let all who seek God's help be encouraged. Psalm 100, 1 through 5. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. You know, Jesus told us, he said, look, he said, don't worry about tomorrow. 
Tomorrow has enough worries of, his, of its own. Live in today. Live in the moment. And you know what? There are times, instead of, you know, we get so caught up about things that might happen or things that we see outside of our, our county or our house or our town or whatever, and we see all these things happening, and they, they can be disturbing. And I'm not saying that we ignore them. But what I am saying is that we need to be thankful for what we have. You know, there were, there were babies being dedicated here. And one of them in the first service was the most beautiful baby in the world, my granddaughter. <laughs> I'm being totally objective when I say that. If, you know, if you've seen her, you know. No. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, what do I have to complain about? You know, my, my family was here. We were dedicating a, a, a new life, a gift from God to the Lord. I mean, that's a good day right there. Why are you worried about it? You got to come to church today and be with other people that are praising the Lord and see some friends and, and, and talk about life and, and enjoy things, but mostly be in God's presence together. What do we have to complain about today? And sometimes you maybe even need to reduce the, hey, right now everything's fine. Sometimes just live in the moment. But whatever you have to do, come to that place of thanksgiving, of thankfulness, and being thankful to God. And if you got nothing else to be thankful about, you can thank God that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. You can always thank God for that. And we can all find things to be thankful for. And you know what being thankful does? It, it, it changes our heart. When we praise God, and when we're thankful, and when we're in his presence, it changes us. And it can change our mood and change our clothes. And, and we can drop off the, the, the feeling of despair and live with joy. You know, in His presence is fullness of joy. That's what the Scripture says. Be in the presence of God. Praise God. Be thankful to Him. And then the last thing is this, is sometimes you've you got you to gotta deal with your thoughts. You've got to figure out ways to deal with them. And that can be hard. You know, even we were trying to watch something on, that we'd recorded on, um, on one of the PBS channels or whatever. It's not a very good show, but it's one, of the clean, it's one of the few clean ones that are out there, you know? And so, you know, the plot sometimes, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm watching, but hey, we can all watch it? And I'm like, yeah. Well, even then, even then the commercial stuff come up. You're like, man, that's just sick, you know, about... Whatever. And you can't always stop those thoughts. So what do you do with them? I mean, you hear about this, you hear about that, somebody expresses an opinion. You, you, you know, you, you hear about things that are going on in the world. And the Bible's clear, things are going to continue to get worse. I mean, the only thing, the, the last thing people in this country want to turn to is God. And that's the only thing that can fix what's wrong with this country. Period. And so I... I don't know what it'll take for that to happen. Probably something drastic. And you can't help but worry, well, how is that going to affect me? How is it going to affect my kids? What does that mean? All these things. You can't always stop your thoughts, but you can take them captive. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. You know what? Anything that comes into your mind and in your heart that causes you to fear or be anxious or to doubt about the things in the future, those thoughts are not from God. They're from the enemy. Because God is not a God of confusion. God knows exactly what's going to happen. 
He's already, you belong to him if you have a relationship with Jesus. And so what can you do? You can take those thoughts captive. In other words, how do you do that? That thought comes in, oh man, but what if this happens? Am I, am I going to be able to, you know, feed my family? Hey, you know what? I'm not dependent on the economy to take care of my family. God's provided for us over and over again through the years. And so why am I going to worry about that? That's not, that's not a godly worry. That's not a godly thought. So I'm going to take that captive because you know what? One of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And so I'm going to count on the Lord who provides instead of worrying about what somebody else, the decisions somebody else are making that might affect this or that or whatever. I'm going to take that thought captive and say, that's not from God. That's from the enemy. He's trying to make me fearful, trying to make me anxious. And so I'm not, going to, I'm not allowing that thought to get a root in my head. So that's the one thing you do, is you have to direct your thoughts. Philippians 4, 6, and 9, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Even in that moment, God, you know what's coming, and you know how to take care of me. You know how to help me provide for my family. You know how to do that for us. So if you're anxious about something, take it before God. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You take that in prayer. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Man, that's a promise in Scripture. That when we give that over to God and we take those thoughts captive and we, we compare them to Scripture, and you know what? Well, I can't help how I feel. I know that. But let me tell you about your feelings. Feelings, you know what the Bible says? The heart is deceptive above all else. And your heart's where feelings come from. That's where fear is. That's where doubt is. All those things come through fear and through feelings in your heart. And feelings deceive us. I mean, how many times have you heard something? You're like, I know there's somebody in the house. And, and then you find out it was just, you know, a cat knocked something over. They, they probably did that on purpose to scare you. <laughs> Dogs don't do that. They just bark at noises. But anyway. <laughs> you allow those th- feelings in. What does the Bible say? Take them captive. Turn them over to God. 99.9999% of things that you're afraid of are never going to happen. They just won't. And sometimes the things you were most afraid of, once you figure them out, you realize they aren't that bad. I mean, as, as kids, you know, they're worried about getting a shot. Well, yeah, we got to get a shot. Sometimes you don't even tell them. And then, boom, the, 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 I can remember worrying about it, thinking it was going to be that way. And then when they finally did it, I was like, oh, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought. So what? Move on. And that's a lot of times how fears work. We think things are going to be a lot worse than they are. So how do we deal with them? Tell God what we need. Thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And then He gives us another way. Okay? And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. See, it's not enough to just reject thoughts that are contrary to the Word of God. It's hard not to think about something, isn't it? If I told y'all, quit thinking about the future, quit thinking about how much gas, stop right now, you're, that, it's hard to just stop. So what do you do? You've got you to fill it with something else. What does the Bible tell us? Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. 
Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So here's what we do. Is we replace, after we recognize that it's a lie from the enemy, after we recognize that it's meant to make us anxious, and you know what? When you put that spirit of heaviness on, it, it, it causes a break in your fellowship with God. Now, it doesn't change the relationship. You're still a son. He's still there. But now you're thinking about something else. Let me tell you, in the Scriptures, one of the coolest things, coolest things that happened was that, that Jesus sent his disciples out across the sea and sent them out on a boat, and the worst storm ever came. And, and how you know, it was one of, well, the, the, the Bible says the apostles were scared to death, and they were used to seeing storms. Now, I'd have been scared long before a storm ever started. All right, years ago, my brother and my dad convinced me to go on a deep sea fishing trip, and so I we went down there. And, and I didn't know this till we got on the boat, or I never would have got on there. I thought, oh, we're just going to like go out there, you know? And they said, well, it's going to take us about two hours to get where we're fishing. I was like, two hours? <laughs> I thought this is Gilligan's Island all over again. We're going to get stuck out, three-hour tour, two-hour fishing, or whatever. And, dude, I had taken the maximum amount of Dramamine you could take before I got on that boat. And all the way out there, I was, I mean, I was sick to my stomach. I was like, this boat's getting thrown everywhere. I mean, man, oh, my gosh. I'm like, don't throw up, don't throw up, don't throw up. We get out there. I finally get over to the edge, throw the thing in there. I pull one fish out, and then I did what is called in sailor's parlance, chubbed bait <laughs> over the side of the boat. And I chubbed everything I had in me and stuff I didn't even know was in me into the ocean, put my pole down, walked into the cabin and curled up in a fetal position on the floor until we, I'm not, I'm not joking at all, until we got back. And I'm telling you, man, that boat was going everywhere. And one of the, the, the mates of the boat came over to my brother and said, man, you should probably tell your brother, you know, to not get on boats anymore because this is as calm as it gets, all right? <laughs> I appreciate that man's advice, and I have taken it. <laughs> Not been on a boat since. But the storm was pretty wild because they were concerned. The, these men were professional fishermen, a lot of them. And the, it's a bad enough storm, they're scared. They'd been through stuff. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking on the water. And they're like, what? First, they're freaking out. Who is this? Is this a ghost? You know, we're going to start our own you know, the secrets of Skinwalker Boat or something out in the water. I don't know, but finally they figured out it's Jesus. And Peter, Peter was gutsy. Now, impetuous, yes, but he was a gutsy dude. He tells Jesus, he said, tell me to come to you. Because he sees Jesus walking on the water, and he thinks, man, that'd be cool. I want to do that. And so Jesus says, come on. So he gets out the boat and starts walking on the water. I mean, that, wouldn't that be cool? He's the only one who can say that. None of the other disciples got out of the boat. None of them. But he's walking on the water, and then guess what? Boom. He starts to sink. And there's a sentence in that, in that story that tells you why he started to sink. He says, seeing the size of the waves, he began to sink. See, that's our problem sometimes. It, is he started watching size of the waves instead of looking at Jesus. They started to sink. 
Now, if I'd been God, I don't know, I probably would have been like, hey, you should have kept your eyes on me. But Jesus ain't like that. He reached out when he started to sink after Peter said, Lord, save me. He grabbed him and pulled him up. And they went back into the boat. Because that's what God does. But the lesson in that is, you know, even in the middle of this storm, and for a, Peter was a professional fisherman, you understand? So the waves, they were significant. They weren't like the, what I thought were waves, which apparently was just calm water. All right? I mean, these are real waves. And so you can look at it and think, well, he should have been concerned. But the bottom line was he took his focus off Jesus. And he starts looking at the waves and he began to sink. So it's not enough for us to just not think something. We've got to direct our thoughts to the right place. It's, it's Jesus. And then he says, you know, what, whatever is honorable, true, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Let your mind dwell on these things. And I'm just going to be honest with you. There's some places you can't find a whole lot of that. You know, for the last week or so, I hadn't looked, I've been trying my best not to look at social media at all. Because I'm not really all that interested in what people had for dinner last night. And after that, it's just stuff that makes you mad. I, I, I tried to watch the news last night, first story. I was like, nope, ain't watching that. Turned it off. Because they're, they're, they're not good. And some of y'all are like, well, I got, you know, I got to see, I need to see the weather. Look, there's an app right here that you can look at on your phone. And if you can call me. What's the weather going to be like? Well, it's probably going to be warm. Is it going to rain? It might, it might not. And that's all you're going to get from the forecast anyway. Am I right? So there, I just fixed it for you. You ain't even got to watch for that. So here's the deal. Am I telling you, oh, you know, get, do, I, I get it. People are going to be on there. They're going to do stuff. But here's what I'm saying to you. Sometimes turn it off for a while. And just quit. And you know what it does? And also, instead of looking around at, at the whole world and what everybody's doing, it causes you to focus on what's right in front of you. And a lot of times that's where the things that are good and right and pure and honorable and worthy of praise are. And just like that couple sitting at a table, the person they claim to love the most in the world is right there with them. And you know what? We all do that sometimes. I understand that. But instead of focusing on them, they're, they're somewhere else. And we need to learn how to focus on what's right here and right with us and be thankful. You know, we live in a county. This is a good place to live. There's good people here. Are there things that happen? Sure. But I tell you what, I wouldn't trade it. I mean, I, I wouldn't trade living here. If somebody came up and said, hey, man, I'll trade your house straight up for a house in Los Angeles, California. <laughs> no. Thank you. I'm not trying to be mean to California. But if y'all are here, you already left there. So, okay. <laughs> y'all know I'm right. So here's the deal. 
All right? Be thankful for where we are, for what God's given us right here. And look around around you with what your eyes can see. And at work, you know, find somebody. Hey, man, that, they're really being kind to people. That's somebody that's living a way that, that's admirable. I'm going to say something to them. And I'm going I'm to remember that. You know, you can go down to a store, and they'll have 40 things that you want and that you're able to buy. And what do you do? You walk out of it, and you're mad about the one thing they didn't have. Now, if it's Mountain Dew, that's okay to be mad. I get that. <laughs> but we focus on the, on the negative. That's what's wrong in a lot of our relationships. You know, you fall in love with somebody, and, you know, oh, they got all these great claws, and there's a couple things that are a little annoying, but they're kind of cute. And then after a few things, they ain't cute no more. They're just annoying. And then after a while, that's all you see. And you've forgotten all the things you listed about, what you loved about them, and all you can see is the one thing they won't change or the one thing they do. They chew too loud. Or they don't do that. Or they don't do this. Or they don't do that. And that's the only thing you see. I mean, I, I know people, and I know you do too, that every, every month or two, Oh, I've met the perfect girl. She's, my, she's so beautiful. She's perfect for me. She ain't crazy like all them other ones. You mean, all, were all those other ones crazy when you met them? No, then maybe you made them crazy. Just saying. <laughs> but then after a few weeks, oh, I, that one, she, she's crazy too. I got to move on. Or, or he, you know, he did blah, blah, blah. Well, let me tell you something. Sometimes it's just because you get in this whole, uh, oh, it's, uh, it's all good. And then after a while, you start focusing on the negatives. Now, follow God's guidelines about who you get in a relationship with anyway. But once, once you're in a relationship, don't allow a couple of negatives to overrule things. But that's what we do, isn't it? And so we need to learn to look for what's right, and what's honorable, and what's good. And let our mind dwell on those things. You know, to recap... We've got to be in the presence of God, praise Him, thank Him, and redirect our thoughts. You know, a night or two ago, after you know, God had really been working on me on a lot of these things, I started to got my heart calm down and started to feel that peace again. I had a dream, and I'm not a big, I'm not one of those, hey, you know, I believe in, I'm not, this isn't prophetic, okay? Dreams can be deceptive. I remember when I, first two or three years we were married, my wife woke up, she was looking at me, and I said, what's the matter? She said, well, I dreamed you were kissing some other girl last night. I'm like, she's mad at me for three days. I said, honey, I didn't do anything. It just seemed real. Okay, so I'm not trying to tell you that all dreams are real or whatever, but I had a dream that, that I, I was in my house and it was burning down. And I had a hose and I was just watering down some things. People were coming, what do you want to get out of the way? And I said, I don't worry about it. And I did that, you know, you know how you can wake up from a dream and if it's, scary or something, you can still have that feeling of being anxious. I woke up from that realizing my house had burned down and I still had peace. And I was like, thank you, God. Even in my dreams, I'm feeling your peace. And so what I'm trying to tell you is we can change our clothes. We can put on that garment of joy and of peace and of righteousness that comes from being in the presence of God and of praising Him and of knowing Him and of, of controlling what comes into our mind and of what we dwell on. We can have peace. The scripture promises it. 
Don't believe it because I had a dream. Believe it because the Word of God says it. But we have to choose. And there's plenty of negative things to look at, to allow into your mind, that can make you anxious. And I'm not saying we should be blind to those things. But I am saying sometimes turn it off. Put your phone down. Quit looking at the news. Quit dwelling on it. And see things that are excellent. See things that are good. See things that are right. And be present with God. The first thing about that is you you have to have a relationship with Him. Without that, you'll never have peace. God wants you to have peace. That's why He sent His Son. And so there's three simple things that, that we have to talk about when it comes to having peace with God. And that's number one, we've got to admit that we're a sinner for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. God. God's Word calls us to, and Jesus said over and over again, repent of your sins. That means turn away from them and turn to Him and ask forgiveness. Second thing is you've got to believe that Jesus is God's Son. He wasn't just a guy. He was God in the flesh. God made flesh. And he dwelt among us. And he lived a life without sin. And he died on the cross as a substitute for me and for you. He died for for my sins and for yours. And then the last thing is to, to grab hold of that gift. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's when we grab hold of that free gift of eternal life and peace with God. And so if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven... Not just the ones you've committed, but the ones you're going to commit tomorrow and the day after that. If you'd like to know you have peace with God that lasts here on this earth and forever. If you'd like to know that you belong to Him and that you're now one of His children, a son or daughter of God, I want to give you the opportunity to know Him personally. And so what I'd like to do is anyone who would like to, if you'd like to know your sins are forgiven, you have peace with God and that you're going to be with Him for all eternity, I want to lead you in just a brief prayer of salvation. So I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes. And if that's you, you pray this prayer with me right now. You can repeat it after me and pray it in your own heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. God will hear you. But pray it with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me. And thank you for Jesus. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day to give me life. So today, I ask forgiveness of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart, my life, and cleanse me. I confess Jesus as my Savior. And I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, here's what I want you to know. Is that in that moment, the moment you believed, the moment you confessed it, your sins have been wiped away. The Bible says that he remembers our sins no more. And that you're in a right relationship with God, that you are now a son or daughter that belongs to him for all eternity. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or say anything. But if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to look up at me and keep looking until I see you. Okay? All right? See 
Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Now, here's what I want to encourage you to do. It's important that you get with someone that knows and can talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. And we would love to be that for you. As a matter of fact, there's a number on the screen. You can text that number and just say, I did it. And we would love to get in touch with you and set up a time, whether it's on the phone or in person. And we'd love to answer any questions you have and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. We don't want anything from you. We're not going to ask you for money. We're not going to, you don't have, you don't even have to join this church. We want you to find a church and you're welcome to come here, but we want you to find the one that's right for you. You can hear the word of God and you can learn and grow. But we want to help. And so we'd love to hear from you. It's important that you tell someone about your new relationship with Jesus. So right now, I just want to pray for you. So church, join me as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for these that have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus today. Father, I pray that you would continue to work in their hearts, that you would reveal yourself to them through your word, that you'd send other believers in their life to encourage them, to lead them in the ways of God. Father, we thank you again for your blessings and your goodness and your mercy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.